0: All right, let's read today's passage, Mark 4, verses 2 to 9. He said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, unfortunately, uh, I can relate all too well to the story I'm beginning with this morning. And it speaks about a man who has a hearing problem and he goes to the doctor. His family's trying to convince him for a long time that you got to get your hearing attended to. And But he he was resistant to that, but finally he relented. And he went to the doctor and the doctor uh, gave him the hearing aid and his, his hearing became 100%. A month later he went back to the doctor and the doctor said, your hearing is perfect, your family must be incredibly pleased with with the results of that, that you're hearing now everything. <laughs> the man looked at the doctor and said, well, no, actually, actually, I, I didn't tell my family. I've just been sitting around listening to their conversations, and <laughs> because of what I've heard, I've changed the will three times. You know, sometimes there are things that we hear, but we we don't really clearly hear. And it would be amazing if we really hear the things that we're called to listen to. And as scripture calls us to this morning as we get into this particular passage we're looking at in Mark 4, Jesus really zeros in on the question of are you really hearing? And he does so and he tells a story in a series of parables but one on which we are going to zero in this morning. And a parable in essence is really just a comparable. parable. It's it's a story Jesus tells that lines us up alongside his story. And what is the truth that he's wanting to tell to us? And in this story, Jesus repeats the word listen ten times in this passage. So it's clearly something that Jesus wants us to hear. And he later will say in in. Uh, verse 13, he'll say of this parable that we're looking at, the parable of the sower, he says, how will you understand the parables if you don't get this one? In other words, Jesus is saying, this parable is foundational to much of what I'm going to say, and you need to get it. You need to understand it. We also understand the parable, the importance of the parable Jesus is about to speak, uh, because Mark includes it is one of his now, that may not seem like any big issue, but, but only three of the Gospels include the parables, and, and Mark is far more selective in what he includes. He includes less than half of what Matthew and Luke record. And, and so he is zeroing in on this parable as well. And the parable of the sower, where frequently, as we look at pictures that are depicted of this, we, we get pictures of the sower or the seed, but that's not the focus the focus of the parable is to look at the ground because it's the soil on which jesus wants us to understand as he lines the soil of what he depicts alongside our lives and asks us where do you sit how how does the soil look for you are you are you hard pack resistant to the things i say or is your soil of, of the things you o- occupy, your life, it, it, are they weed-infested, unkept? Or, where he's wanting us to see ourselves, are they, is the ground tilled and waiting and receptive to what I want to say? And, and as with most parables, there are several takeaways. There's not just usually one that we're given. And a central one of Jesus is that our mandate is to be well-planted, and then to sow well that we are to be both things planted in him and then to sow the seed of the good news of of who Jesus is for us but but given what is often represented in the church today there are some warnings that we need to have some of the things the seed that often is planted that isn't exactly where God calls us and he gives us three warnings one would be is that, or we we have three warnings that we need to pay attention to. One is don't repackage the seed for purposes different from why it is planted. The seed that we are given isn't to give us a better life. It's not to make us richer or or uh, smarter or have an enhanced life. It is the seed that gives us life. So don't 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 miss apply, don't repackage the seed and, and imply that it is something different than what he suggests. The second warning we need to have is don't precede the seed, promote the seed, as fair weather hardy. And that is, it, the gospel, the seed that we're have, having, doesn't mean as we become Christians that we're guaranteed shelter from the hard things in life that will come. It doesn't grant us the abundant life at all times that that happiness is going to be free from pestilence and trouble, and the third warning that we need to be careful that we stay firm on is that we don't fail to inform that this seed will be surrounded that things that oppose that this seed isn't predator resistant it It doesn't keep us safe from those who want to uproot and destroy. In other words, on the contrary, the presence of the seed means the presence of predators. That there will come things in upon us that this isn't just fair weather going ahead. And that can mean, as Jesus says, that there can be suffering in following Jesus. And as we look at the beginning of this parable, it's important that we know we are rooted well into what God calls us to. That we are rooted well into God's truth. And if we're not rooted well, we'll soon begin to mess with the seed. And we live in a time in, in the church today that we, we mess with the seed with downplaying things like, like sin, downplaying things like repentance. And we amplify life improvement and pathways to happiness. But the gospel is something very different. It tells us these things about ourselves. It says that we're all dead in our trespasses and sin, and there's none righteous, no, not one. That our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. All of us fall short of the glory of God. That is the truth of what God word tells us he says the diagnosis of who you are is you're a people without hope but the gospel says there's an intervention to that that because of Jesus that we have a savior we have a redeemer not an improver not a principal teacher not a preventer but a life giver the only answer for our sin. And it's this seed that Jesus gives us and calls us to plant that others may live just as we have been given life. It's seed that we can deliver in creative ways and different ways, but the seed never changes. The seed is something that we have. Paul himself says that we can be creative in what we do. He said himself that that. By all means, we are to save some, and that we can be that he could become all things to all men. In other words, that you will find ways to of the method of delivering the seed, but the message of the seed that never changes. It's not changed the word of God to think, make things more palatable or saying things that it doesn't say or ignoring things that it does. When Things aren't said because they may offend, that is different seed from what we've been given. When God is presented as a loving Father, but not as a holy judge who must judge sin, that is different seed than what we've been given. And when sin is replaced, instead we have positive affirmations and self improvement principles. That, again, is different seed from what we've been given. And while those depictions of seeds, they can draw a following, they cannot change life. They may entice, but they don't give us life everlasting. And think about it. Jesus attracted many, but he actually gathered few. Because following Jesus is bowing and surrendering to him. It's not an add-on. It's a total transformation. So, with that, let, let's take a look at some of the soils that, that Jesus describes in chapter 4. The first one is the soil of the unconvinced. In this soil, he's depicting those that, who come to hear what Jesus says, but they go away. They are just momentarily curious. They look, but they see nothing of interest that really will attract them to keep them close, nothing to which they will surrender and bow. So, the image we're given is with just taking a barely a glance at Jesus. The seeds, they see the birds see the seeds scattered, and they quickly eat up the seed before anything can take root. It's so Satan blowing in the birds of the air to come and snatch the seed before it can break ground. And the, the location talked about is, is along a path which describes a, a well-traveled road that leads to a destination to a place we're determined to go, or, or a path that gives access to, to the crops. It's travelers are packed up, determined where they want to go, and the ground, well-traveled. But well-traveled, that becomes hard-packed. It's pushed down. It becomes as hard as rock. The path and the hearts of those who travel, just impenetrable. And we all know people like that. They're hard set on the things they're chasing. They're chasing to make sense. They're, they're chasing to be something they're not. But, but they're the authors of their lives. They hear the truth of Christ, but, but they're really not interested in what it could mean for them and what they're determined to have. And so it bounces off. They're, they're, not, they're not interested and not willing. And while Jesus is referencing those people who who because of pride and refusal to bow will not, choose not to bow to Christ, to come to faith, there's also another application I think that we as followers of Christ need to be aware of because I think there's also a warning that if we're not careful, we can allow sin to make us become rock hard, That, that we become unreceptive to what God wants to say. We become a people who refuse to, to bow and to repent, refuse to listen. And, and you need to hear this this morning. If, if for some reason that you can't explain that God has just called you to tune in this morning to watch, you need to understand and hear this clearly. If that's the place you find yourself, no matter where you are, no matter what you have done, when you come to Christ and repent, God can make the hardest ground soft. He can and will break the unbreakable when we bow, when we yield to him. And there's one thing, more thing I need to say about this, the soil and the seed before I leave this part. And it, it's this. It's important to understand that the seed is not wasted seed. It's seed that is resistant or the ground is resistant to. It's, it's not readily receptive to. But the seed's receptivity is based on what the ground is willing to do. And that means as Christians that we are to be faithful wherever we are, wherever God takes us, to leave seed. It's seed in how we live. It's seed in how we talk, in what our behavior is. And when it's the opportunity is right, It's also seed to talk and to explain, as we're told in in Scripture, to explain the hope, give answer for the hope that is within us. And in that place, even in the hard-packed ground, God can break open the unbreakable. And we have examples of that. We have examples with the city of Nineveh, who was described as being an evil city, a city that Jonah did not want to go anywhere near. They were the last people that would listen. But they did. Or like my brother-in-law who was resistant to anything God. and yet, God-breaking resistant ground and bringing him to faith. So that's the first soil. It's the soil that's unreceptive, that unconvinced of Jesus. The second soil, it's hard, impenetrable ground. it's seed-resistant. The second seed we 're given to look at is soil that 's hot house deceptive they're they're people that are captivated by what they hear they They come because they they understand that they don 't have some things and and god Jesus seems to offer some things his words seemingly taking root they're they're like a plant who who momentarily because of a sudden uh rainstorm they 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 suddenly seem to come to life they they perk up but what we're told is they, they actually have no root that digs into the soil and takes hold. They're just surface cuttings. They're just seeds that, that fail to root. In, in Christ's teaching they're, they're almost like seeds that burst from the, from the pod but they never attach to life. In many ways, the the, the seed appears to, to take root amongst other ground that there is real growth. And that for a while they look like the rest, but we're told when conditions turn harsh, they're revealed as the shoots that have never really attached to life. The soil is aesthetic, it looks good, it, it looks all pleasing. But it's nothing that actually enables a root. It's, it's hot house showy its appearance alive, and we 're told that the the soil isn 't mixed with rock it 's actually a thin layer of soil that that stands just very thinly over top impenetrable rock it it 's attracted by the appearance of being alive it's it's a attached to the surround of. Great people and warm relationships and uplifting music and good principles to live by. But nothing that's actually rooted and changed death into life. Sometimes the response, largely emotional. Perhaps being led in the recitation, the, the repeating of some words. It's the surround us and feel goods, but never turning actually from sin it's embrace of what jesus might add without the repentance of turning from our sin and turning to jesus the author of, of the offer of our salvation through christ and without that without that repentance it's impossible for life to come jesus himself says it he says not everyone says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does, the will of the Father who is in, is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? We've done all this. We, we, we bear your name. And then I will declare to, you, to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. They've got caught up in a surround of what following Christ is. But, but they've never come to the place of saying that they are a sinner in need of a savior and fully repenting of our sin and coming to life in Christ. He then takes us to the, the third soil, the soil that I've captured is it produces great leaves. And in this soil, the soil, the seed actually does establish roots. And the ground, it goes into is very much, looks very much like the really good ground nearby that is tilled and nutrient ready. But, unfortunately, mixed in with this soil, there's things that will cause difficulty. They, they appear to be just small growth stuff. Nothing, nothing that's going to cause any, any great concern. But amongst those things, we're told that there are, there are weeds and thorns. Now, they're just small growth stuff. They don't, part, appear to be much. They just blend in with the surround. Seemingly, nothing of concern. But, as the weeds grow, they steal the nutrients and they pirate the water. Now the thorns become sizably attractive and destructive. And though they produce great leaves, they produce almost no fruit. And the challenge for us and the call that Jesus would have for us is be careful. Be, be careful that you're, you are not leaf producers. You're busy. You're appearance rich, but you're not productive. Jesus is in your life. You, you've accepted him, but you, you've, you've pushed him to be a sidebar in your life. Not centered as the one in whom you live. Not centered in the one that you as you parent, as you work, as you study, as you relate, instead kept on the outskirts of our life. There, but just not in the center. And Jesus warning to us would say, be careful that you're just not having rich leaves and no fruit. And Jesus describes this soil where other things take priority, because it's a matter of our actions and more than that, it's about our heart. And as long as Jesus isn't in the center of our lives, the Scripture is clear, other things will, cry, or will crowd in. They will take priority, priority because that's the nature of weeds and thorns. The nature of weeds and thorns are to take over. They are to choke life. They will allow you to be environmentally green, just not doing what you've been called to do to actually produce fruit. And that means, as Christians, we are called to be active and to assess the soil in which God has called us to live. That are we being productive, is as as Christ actually the center of our existence? I have a lot of clover in my lawn at home, and it's decided that this is a great place to take up residence, and it, it has. And I have observed that the clover actually doesn't make, uh, move over and make room for the grass, it does quite the opposite. And if it bothers me enough, I can get out my weed, wha- weed whacker and I can obliterate some of, some of what I see as the spreading clover. I can, I can get down on my knees and I can uproot some of the tentacles. I can do that. And, and, and I guess, I suppose, if I really got serious, I could rent out some sheep and let them go to work. But in due time, the clover will do what it is designed to do. It will choke out the grass Because what's needed is is root work. And this is what Jesus says, and he gets at it in verse 19 when he says, "Listen, Listen, where our lives are preoccupied with everything else but him, then our lives will not be as he's designed them to be. Jesus has told us this, but be careful. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, they will enter in. And they will choke the word, it it will prove to be unfruitful, that that it may look good, it may seem busy, but it, the things that it proves, or says it'll give, they're deceitful. They promise to give what we're seeking, but they cannot. And so when we chase the cares of the world, they will crowd in, in the place that Christ says, I have am called to live and the result for us is be we become clover christian clover christians looking all green appearing to be healthy but in reality not and lastly there's the the last soil that jesus calls us to and said this is really where i want you to live and this is what i want you to do it's the soil that yields fruit And Christ points to this and says, this is is a crop that produces a rich harvest. It's seed that establishes deep roots. It goes down when things get tough and when surface supply can't give. It's rooted down deep. And the result of that is when we we really understand who we are as followers of Jesus and we allow his word to, to take us and give us the nutrients it wants to feed us and grow us and strengthen us, that he will deliver a bushel of fruit, not just a fruit, but the a bushel. And then in verse 20, so it's nutrient-rich, nutrient-strong, and it's a, a process where he calls us to be continually fed. He gives us the description on this, and he says, in verse 20, we actually get, a tense change, and uh, that seems all technical, but the part being is this. The verse says this. Those sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold, but, but the tense has actually been changed to continuous, and re- really what it's saying is are the ones who hearing the word, not, not heard, but now, present tense, you're continually hearing those who are hearing the word and accepting the word and bearing fruit in the word. In other words, Jesus is saying, good soil continues to produce. It's not it produced back then. It's what's it doing now? So God does not allow us to look back and say, well, that's what God did at one time in my life. He's saying, what is he doing now? And the call of the parables are the soil is is to assess our soil. Yes, it's to be saying, this is how you're supposed to spread your seed, but what is the seed doing in your life right now? The seed that is working in you and then will be given from you. Because fruit is the product of the seed that is planted and planted well in nutrient-rich, nutrient-strengthening soil. God's Word alive in us. Changing us into the likeness of Christ. And John 15 tells us this. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciple. Now now here's the point that we need to to really dwell on for just a minute. If we want to give glory to God, then we're told in John 15, 8, what that actually means. It means that we are to be those that are planted in good soil and our lives are impacted by this. I don't mean, and God doesn't always talk in terms of bearing fruit, meaning that we have to win these many people for Christ and these many people for Christ. It means, is he doing the transformation of how I act, how I think, how I look on things, that he's continually changing me? See, no farmer plants to get great greenery. He plants to get great fruit. But if we're not careful, we will uh, produce great leaves and no fruit. We'll have leaves showing the religious talk and the religious activities, but no fruit of being changed people. And the part being for us is we're just supposed to be rooted in the soil, being fed by the nutrients. It's God's job to produce the fruit, to actually bring the harvest. We just are to dwell in the place where the strengthening and the feeding is to come. And he will look after the rest. Mark gives other parables in this passage, but we're not going to look at. Because I, I want to jump to the end of the, past, the passage, which seems almost disconnected. And I want to look at an incident which seemingly seems totally disconnected from the parables. And if you like, it's a leap from the seeds to storms. And it begins with Jesus actually coming to the ending of this chapter with Christ's instruction to get into the boat, telling the disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. And as the disciples go, they are caught in this Overwhelming storm, a storm that Jesus seems not to be concerned about as he bunks down and he gets ready to wait to go to the other side, which is where he told them they were going. But the problem was getting to the other side was no small matter, far more difficult than what they possibly could have imagined. The Waves were coming in, the winds were tipping over, the darkness was closing in. Jesus hadn't said a word about any of this. He had just told them we're going to the other side. He, he didn't warn them what they would encounter along the way. And now, for the disciples, their interest in seeds and soil, that, that was the last thing on their mind. They could care less about that. Now their focus was on the storm. Now they weren't spectators to someone else's storm. This time the storm was theirs. And they were literally knee-deep in it, panicked and going under. Panic, just as you and I sometimes can be as things close in on, on us. And Jesus, just asleep, seemingly sometimes how he appears to be in our lives when our lives are in great need, great panic. And yet, in this, I believe, Jesus was taking the disciples from the classroom to the streets. He was taking them from the places. Listen, I talked about seeds and, and soil and all of that. Nice, nice things. But actually, the story about the seeds and the soil is about how well you're rooted. And in whom you're rooted. Because the practical part of the streets is the storms will come. And in, in a very real way, a very experiential way, he's, he's getting them to assess, in what are your, is your life rooted? See, if we just look at Scripture as all good things I can put in my notebook, but I don't how do they manifest themselves in my life, then we're missing the whole part of what, what Jesus' teaching is about, because it's called, "The storms will come, the, the hard places will come in a very real way, when life turns upside down." To assess, not in theory, but in what life will bring. How well are you rooted? What is the condition of your soil now? Is it hard-packed hard, part, hard packed resistant? Is it weed sort of choked off in your great greenery but no fruit? And, and the sense of, it's just not sustaining me? Or right now, where we live, are we actually... Planted in things that will feed us, supply us, strengthen us in the tough times. Rooted in the one that says, I'm with you in your storm. Uh, you may not always see me, but I'm always near. Rooted in the one that promised, just as he promised the disciples, I'm taking you to the other side, that's where we're going. Yeah, you may encounter a storm, but we're going to the other side, because I told you that's where I'm taking you. Rooted when the assurance isn't felt, when the assurance isn't seen, when his nearness seems to be like it was for the disciples, hidden under a blanket, and some, don't you care, why aren't you here, why didn't you stand in, but his word, I'm nearer. When life isn't working, I'm near when relationships are falling apart. I'm near when your kids are diving into trouble, when the EKGs are sending out alarms. I'm rooted even in then. Does it mean the, the, everything is going to come fittingly nice together? No, but God, God near to carry us to do what is, he determines is best in our lives. And I, I, like you, don't always see that in the way that I would like to see it. But in the upshot of all this, as they got to the other side, Jesus was into the place that he he actually found 12 new guys. Not in different people. But 12 who came to a place of different understanding. Where he called them into a storm. To allow them to experientially determine in what am I rooted? What holds me when, when I can't get a firm foundation? Rooted in a place where they look at the storm when it quiets down, when Jesus steps in and says, who is this that even the, the seas and the winds obey him? The one who takes us where we need to go, calling us, be rooted in me. Be rooted in the one who says, I root you firmly because of a cross. You need to abide in me. You need to trust me. You need to know that I will always be near as your Savior and your Redeemer and your Sustainer. May life look different as we walk through some of that? It may. Sometimes, as I said before, we sometimes will hold a fingernail faith that we just can't see. But in those times, even then, the storms that turn us upside down root in me. Because what is rooted in me is secure. And I will take you to the other side. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you call us to understand that you want us to plant, be planted deeply into your truth into the hope that you give and some of the answers we long for some of them will be given now some we won't see this side of eternity but we root in you because we know that you told us that you are a God who loves us you are a God that proved that by going to a cross to save us I pray for those that right now are walking through their own storms. Lord, may they know that you haven't gone far away. May they know what it means to be secured and held by you, to be comforted by you, to be given hope in you. And Lord, we pray that if there are those that are listening this morning and their lives are uprooted and they've never come to the place, of coming to rescue salvation as sinners falling before a holy God. That you were the forgiver of sin. That you were the ones that hear the voice that repents and comes before you as the giver of, of life eternal, everlasting because of the blood of Christ. We just pray that they will find rooting in you this morning. We pray that in the name of Christ. Amen.